Welcome to Healthcare Speaks, where we discuss hot topics in the healthcare system. Today, we are discussing an in-depth and important topic of healthcare, focusing on economic injustices and poverty related to patient care. We have a very insightful guest with us today who sees firsthand into these issues. My name is Riley Kriske, and I have been a nurse for six and a half years now. I work in Racine, Wisconsin at Ascension All Saints in labor and delivery. We have a very diverse patient population, and although a lot of my experiences are based in obstetrics, I see a lot of barriers with my patients on a daily basis. The first question that we have for Riley is, what stigmas or barriers do you see in the healthcare profession related to patients who are in poverty or those who have a lower socioeconomic status? There are definitely a lot of barriers in healthcare with patients with so- lower socioeconomic status. Um, some of the bigger ones we see are transportation and childcare. A lot of patients don't have their own vehicle or aren't able to drive. Um, they rely on public transportation, which doesn't run. 24-7, um, or they don't even have the means to buy a bus ticket or get to the bus stop and don't have reliable friends or family that can take them to their appointments to get care. Um, child care is another big issue. We have patients who have children at home and they're not able to find anyone to watch their kids so that they can get the care that they need. Um A lot of patients also don't have the education level to understand the care that they're receiving or understand the importance of the care they need to receive. Um, There's a mistrust in the system. There's lack of access to healthy foods and medications needed to treat certain illnesses. And one of the big stigmas around that is having a patient labeled as non-compliant. I feel like once patients know that that's how they're being seen as a non-compliant patient, it makes them want to come to the hospital and get care even less than they already do. Thank you for your insight. I would like to dig a little deeper into some major barriers you stated. First, with transportation. According to the United States Census Bureau, In 2019, there were 34 million people in poverty, approximately 4.2 million fewer than 2018. Even so, 34 million people is a vast amount of our population. With transportation, the Federal Highway Administration stated about 24% of households in poverty do not own a vehicle, while over 98% of incomes at or above $100,000 own at least one vehicle. With this, as Riley stated, there are massive barriers to receiving necessary health care. If the 24% cannot walk to the bus, if they do not have money for the bus, or if the bus does not come to them, such as people in rural areas, they are unable to access the care they need due to lack of transportation. Another barrier that was stated is lack of education with healthcare-related issues. We call this health literacy. People in poverty may experience low health literacy. According to the Health Resources and Services Administration, health literacy is defined as the degree to which individuals have the capacity to obtain, process, and understand basic health information needed to make appropriate health decisions. Some reasons low health literacy occurs is because healthcare professionals are using words that patients 
do not understand. Patient may have low educational skills and background. Patient may have cultural barriers and patient may have language barriers. A person in poverty is likely to hit one of these reasons. As a healthcare professional, it is important to identify these patients and use simple terms in order to provide the most effective care. Lastly, I think it is important to recognize the lack of access to foods. According to the United States Department of Agriculture, in 2018, an estimated one in nine Americans were found food insecure, equating to over 37 million Americans, including more than 11 million children. A lack of food security may result from an issue called a food desert. The Food Empowerment Project defined food desert as a geographic area where residents' access to affordable, healthy food options, especially fruits and vegetables, is restricted or non-existent due to the absence of grocery stores within convenient traveling distances. This is significant for the healthcare profession because if a patient is affected by the lack of food or food deserts, this is a massive barrier. This may lead to malnutrition, obesity, diabetes, and cardiovascular disease. Overall, identifying and investigating these barriers can help educate us as healthcare professionals, which may lead to a more effective healthcare system. The second question we have is, what health risks or diseases do you believe are associated with having a lower socioeconomic status? Some of the major health risks and diseases that we see with patients with a lower socioeconomic status include obesity, hypertension, diabetes. Um, there's also issues like mental health, alcohol and drug abuse, um, and then another thing that I see a lot in my field is the unplanned pregnancies, high-risk pregnancies, and unsupported pregnancies. A lower socioeconomic status affects a person's quality of life and ability to take care of oneself. As Riley stated, there are significant correlations between poverty and socioeconomic status with health risks and diseases. I would like to expand on diabetes, hypertension, and mental illness. First, people with lower socioeconomic statuses are vulnerable to diabetes. Diabetes is defined by Mayo Clinic as a chronic disease that affects how one's body uses glucose, a vital component for energy. According to a study on associations between socioeconomic status and diabetes, there are higher associations of the disease with lower socioeconomic statuses if you are a female older age and had low educational attainment. This study stated, particularly the lower educational attainment were found to have the highest prevalence, 8.38% and 8.44% between years 2010 and 2012. As discussed before, this refers to a low health literacy as well. Because of low education, the patient will not understand their own risk factors and how to prevent this disease. Next, we will discuss hypertension. Hypertension is defined by Mayo Clinic as a common condition in which long-term force of blood against artery walls is high enough that it will eventually cause other health problems. This may occur because of limited access to care, limited health knowledge, limited health insurance statuses, and certain life choices. People with lower socioeconomic statuses may not be able to access the health care system because of transportation, knowledge of the system, or because they do not have insurance that covers hypertension prevention and treatment. 
Lifestyle choices of lower socioeconomic individuals also plays a massive role in hypertension, such as weight, activity per day, food choices, and stress. All of these, if not managed well, can lead to hypertension. A quote by the Medical Expenditure Panel Survey stated, The percentage among adults who reported that they spent half an hour or more in moderate or vigorous physical activity at least three times a week had a lower percentage of hypertension than those not reporting any level of exercise. People with lower socioeconomic statuses may not be able to access a gym or do not have the time to work out because they have a lot more stressors with money management, home care, family care, and full-time jobs or more. Lastly, we will discuss mental illness. Mental illness is seen in individuals with a lower socioeconomic status. A quote by the American Psychological Association stated, According to a study that examined a database of 34,000 patients with two or more psychiatric hospitalizations in Massachusetts during the years 1994 to 2000, unemployment, poverty, and housing unaffordability were correlated with a risk for mental illness. Mental illness is strongly correlated with life stressors, genetic factors, and chemical imbalances. It can be interpreted that socioeconomic status is a precursor to mental and physical health issues. The last question that we would like to discuss is, where do people get insurance if they are low income and probably do not have jobs that provide it in order to receive proper health care? People that don't have private insurance or don't have a job that provides insurance for them to receive proper health care will have insurance coverage through the government or the state, most likely. Um, not every provider accepts that state insurance, um, especially some of the specialties, so that can also definitely be a barrier for patients. Um, if a patient comes in through the ER... We legally have to treat them regardless of their insurance status. So a lot of times we see people using that emergency room as more of a clinic. They'll go in there for any little need because they know that they'll get the care they need even if they can't schedule an ultrasound or an x-ray or whatever they may need that they could typically get through having a routine appointment scheduled with a doctor. Going off of what Riley stated, lower socioeconomic patients may use Medicaid for insurance coverage or remain uninsured. Medicaid is a federal and state program that provides public health insurance coverage to low-income families or individuals. Patients must meet specific criteria based on income in order to be eligible. Using these two forms of insurance or remaining uninsured will lead to lower quality health care and using the health care system less often and even using it only in an emergency. This is an economic injustice because a patient has a disadvantage due to income, which leads to a lower opportunity for care. As our time comes to a close here on Healthcare Speaks, I would like to thank our guest Riley Krisky for letting us into the healthcare world and helping us investigate socioeconomic related healthcare issues.